Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Let's do a quick preview of today's stories. First, verdicts in the Kristen Smart trial. That's right, verdicts. OnlyFans model update. Self-defense. That's what they're trying to show to us. The Murdoch case. If you don't know the time of death, how do you expect me to come up with an alibi? It's one of the arguments Mr. Murdoch is making. Big boys do cry, particularly when they're bond is denied. Uh, this one will totally creep you out, and this will totally show you that you just cannot make this stuff up. An Ohio judge gone wild gets suspended. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Good day, everybody. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't, like if you do, hit that little bell for notifications. And as always, leave me a comment below. And remember, you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps as well. Let's go ahead and open the docket for Wednesday, October 19th of 2022. Verdicts have been reached in the trial of Paul Flores and his father, Ruben Flores, in connection with the 1996 disappearance and presumed death of California Polytechnical University student Kristen Smart. A jury in Monterey County Superior Court in California found Paul Flores guilty of murder. The defendant's trials were simultaneously held, but they were both given a separate jury. In the Ruben Flores case, the jury found him not guilty. Now, Paul Flores faces 25 years to life in prison. Now, both father and son were arrested back in 2021 after investigators searched Ruben Flores' home multiple times. Investigators said Paul Flores killed Smart at the college before hiding her body under Ruben's shed. Now, Smart's remains have never been found, and Ruben was arrested at his Royal Grande residence on a charge of accessory after the fact, which is obviously a felony. Now, prosecutors allege that Smart's body was once buried under the Elder Flores' deck, but her remains were recently moved. According to court documents, authorities are in possession of alleged biological evidence that makes them believe that the victim was buried underneath Ruben Flores' deck at one time. Now, as you may recall, Smart disappeared on May 24, 1996, after attending an off-campus party near Cal Poly. She called her parents that night around 8 p.m. and left a voicemail. It was the last time that their parents heard from their daughter. Now, Paul Flores told investigators that he accompanied Smart back to the dorm after the party where she lived. He said he then left and walked to his own dorm room at the Santa Luisa Hall. Now, Flores had a black eye while speaking to investigators at the time. He explained that it happened after playing basketball, but authorities were skeptical of his story. Flores later changed his story and claimed he got the black eye while working on a truck. Eventually, Flores stopped talking to investigators and obtained an attorney. When investigators brought cadaver dogs to the campus, the dogs reportedly made their way to room number 128 at the Santa Luisa dorm where Flores lived. Two dogs showed interest in the mattress on the left-hand side of the room, according to court records, which was Flores' side of the room. Now, according to the dog handler, there was a strong possibility that a deceased body had been in that room. Not exactly the hardest science in the world, but hey. So not exactly the uh, best evidence in the world, and obviously a body was never obtained, but hey, that's the way it goes. A jury has spoken. 
We'll see if legal errors were made on appeal because there will be an appeal. Next on the docket, new body cam footage shows the bikini-clad OnlyFans model, Courtney Clenny, shaking and sobbing as she begged police to help her get a restraining order against her boyfriend a day before she allegedly stabbed him to death. And right now, like, I have not always been a victim, but, like, right now, I'm a freaking victim in such a situation. I'm scared to go to the theater with my dogs. I just walked in and I told him, you don't have a chance, and now, all of a sudden, this is all happening. What's his name? I just, Christian, Christian Tobechu Kuobam, so, like, Christian? please, just, like, don't... So Miss Clenny faces second-degree murder charges for fatally stabbing her boyfriend, Christian Obumselli, in the chest at a Miami apartment while the two argued back on April 3rd of this year. The new footage recorded on body cam was on April 2nd, and it was released by her lawyer who's trying to argue that she stabbed him in self-defense and that a day earlier she was visibly shaken and fearful as she accused him of stalking her. Now, in the body cam footage, officers can be seen walking into the lobby of the luxury Miami high-rise hotel where Miss Clenny lived with Obum Sally, where the doorman tells them that there had been a domestic disturbance. A tearful and visibly upset Clenny is seen talking on her phone before asking the doorman to let her back into the apartment after locking herself out. She then explains that she broke up with Obumseli a week earlier and her mother had come to stay with her to help her. She also claimed, however, that he had been sleeping in their elevator room the entire time. She said, quote, I broke up with him. He slept inside my elevator room on a couch. That's stalking. He wouldn't leave me alone, she told the officers. The security guard then informs the police that earlier Obumseli had tried to get into an elevator with the woman when she took her dogs for a walk and that she held out her hand to stop him. He then accused her of shoving him. Well, her boyfriend comes charging at her. The boyfriend came after her. And then I said, enough is enough. The police need to be called. And that's how they all arrived. Now, Miss Clenny, who goes by Courtney Taylor online, has claimed the stabbing a day later took place in self-defense. Miami attorney Catherine Fernandez said, Clenny claimed to have stabbed Obunsele in the chest after he grabbed her by the throat at their luxury apartment in Miami back in April. Now, Clenny said that she threw the knife at her boyfriend from more than 10 feet away. But Fernandez, the prosecutor, said that the autopsy revealed a deep wound that could only be done at a close distance. The knife entered Christian's chest at a downward angle, said prosecutor Fernandez. We will wait and see how that one comes out. You just you just never know. That's why you don't say anything. Now she's locked into it, and anything else she says, well, she looks like a liar. Even if maybe that story wasn't the exact truth, it doesn't matter. She's lied. That's why you keep your mouth shut. In the heat of the moment, you just want to be able to collect your thoughts and wait till you see all the evidence. Just your free legal advice from your lovable local criminal defense attorney. Next, the Alec Murdoch matter. How do you expect me to provide an alibi if you can't establish a time of death? That is the latest motion filed uh, by the attorneys for Alex Murdoch, which basically challenges the prosecutors to nail down a time of death of the two victims of the crime. And in the motions, the defense attorneys state that the state has not provided the time, date, and place at which the alleged offense occurred as required by law. And um, 
The motion also states that the state has failed to provide the time that it alleges that the murder took place. As such, it argues that Mr. Murdoch cannot be expected to provide an alibi, usually in a timely manner, uh, because nobody's told her what time and what place this has actually taken place. Now, as you may recall, Mr. Murdoch said that he was, well, first with his mother, then he was with his father. But how do you really know if you don't really know what time it was? I mean, you didn't even know what time this was really going down. So how can you possibly come up with an alibi? And it's a pretty good argument in front of a jury as well. Ladies and gentlemen, if they, being the government, doesn't know what happened, how can they expect you to know what happened? Every time I've been able to make that argument, that's right, not guilty. Now, for those who are not familiar with the Murdoch case, Mr. Murdoch is a now disbarred attorney, and he's been charged with two counts of murder and two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime in connection with the June 7th, 2021 shootings of his wife, Maggie Murdoch, and their younger son, Paul Murdoch. Maggie and Paul were allegedly killed at the family's hunting property uh, in Colton and Hampton counties in South Carolina. Uh, Paul Murdoch was uh, hit by a pair of uh, shotgun blasts that uh, that fateful evening, one to the head, the other to the arm and the chest. Multiple shots killed Maggie Murdoch from a semi-automatic rifle at or around the same time her son was killed, and at least two of Maggie Murdoch's gunshot wounds were reportedly inflicted as she lay on the ground, consistent with initial reports of possibly an execution-style slain, allegedly. Next on the docket, Oh, big boys do cry. That's right. The lawmaker accused of stabbing to death a Las Vegas reporter broke down in tears in court while being denied bail on Tuesday as his wife and mother watched from the gallery. Robert Tellis, who was seen smirking in court only a month prior, appears to have succumbed to life behind bars. Now, the attorney for the Las Vegas Democrat requested a reasonable bail for his client accused of murder, but that was denied. In the case, the safety of the community argument, Mr. Tellis is a danger to no one, said the attorney of a man accused of stabbing a man in his neck and torso, causing him to bleed out in minutes. District Attorney Steve Wolfson previously said that Tellis was a flight risk and a danger to the community, and that he would argue for a very high bail. Now, Tellus's attorney unsuccessfully argued that that isn't that this isn't a no-bail case. Yeah, it is. It's first-degree murder. A criminal uh, complaint reads that uh, Tellus was lying in wait to kill Jeffrey German, 69, of the Las Vegas Review-Journal on September 3rd. Now, Tuesday, the judge denied Tellus, who appeared to be praying in court, for bail, apparently. His attorney had argued that uh, he's a danger to no one. Now, visible were uh, scars from Telus's alleged suicide attempt, which took place as a SWAT team zeroed in on his house in September following Mr. German's murder. And prosecutors say that Telus was motivated to kill German because of reporting Germis was doing on Telus's office. He served as the Clark County Public Administrator, and German was killed after a series of articles German published accusing Mr. Tellis of having an affair with a staffer by the name of Roberta Lee Kennett and for facilitating a toxic workplace environment. Prosecutors allege that the public official blamed German for ruining his career as well as his marriage. When police searched Mr. Tellis's home, they found bloody shoes and a cut-up straw hat similar to the one seen on the suspect in the surveillance video. 
Metellus's car, a red GMC, was also found to match the vehicle seen on surveillance. And reporters also stalked the public official's home and found him washing his car after the incident. Mr. Tellus was arrested on September 7th after DNA evidence found under German's fingernails allegedly matched his. When Tellus was arrested, he reportedly had self-inflicted cuts on his arms. An arrest report shows that he barricaded himself inside his home, made suicidal statements, and slashed his arms with a knife when SWAT teams arrived for his arrest. He was also suspected of taking drugs in the moments before he was cuffed, forcing officers to take him to the hospital before he was booked into the county jail. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't imagine why the judge would deny this man uh, bond. The evidence seems to be pretty overwhelming, and that's one of the factors that the court can consider when denying a bond in most states is the strength of the evidence against the defendant, the whether he's a flight risk and obviously a danger to the community. Those are the biggest factors. And when you're charged with first-degree murder and the evidence is somewhat overwhelming, guess what? Usually no bond. Or if there is a bond, it is set so high that you cannot get out. And apparently Mr. Tellus has found religion while in jail, a new hairstyle, and he has, well, come to the realization that he is probably going to spend the majority of his life in prison, if not the remainder of it. Now, obviously, we'll give him the presumption of innocence, but it's not looking so good. Okay, here's a story that I'm going to try to get through so that we don't get demonetized, all right? It's going to creep you out, but it just shows you you can't make this stuff up, ladies and gentlemen, and frankly, you're not safe anywhere. So a janitor is charged with infecting a woman with an STD by allegedly putting his male parts in at least one of her water bottles and urinating. Uh, the woman says that the sick man is Lucio Caterino Diaz. He's 50 years old. And uh, records show that he is charged in Harris County, Texas with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and indecent assault. Now, the police say that they found evidence that he did, in fact, put his male parts in the woman's water bottle, according to the arrest affidavit. Mr. Diaz allegedly confessed to the detectives that he did what he is accused of doing, and he said that he, in fact, did put his male parts inside because he knew she would drink it the next day. Ugh. Well, defendant Lucio Caterino Diaz apparently said... He did it out of malicious intent and said that this was a sickness, what he told the police. Defendant Lucio Caterino Diaz stated he did not remember how many times he may have done this before, and he did not know of any diseases that he may have had. Ugh. Investigators said he infected the woman with the STD. The disease was not given a name in the complaint. But the woman says, quote, he gave me an STD. I will have it for the rest of my life. Nothing is going to change. Nothing will make it better for me. In fact, she feels like uh, she will have to take care of herself for the rest of her life. End quote. According to records, disturbing signs dated back to at least August 30th when the victim got some water from the standing water dispenser at the building uh, that she worked at. It was a doctor's office. The... Um, Complaining witness stated that the water she got from the water uh, dispenser had a funny taste and smell to it. Didn't think much of it. Complaint said that because of the sour taste and smell, she dumped the water and threw her water bottle out. 
complaint said because of what she experienced with the water dispenser, she started bringing in her own water bottles to drink at the office. As part of this, she brought in a 16-ounce water bottle, opened it in the morning, and usually didn't finish it, so she would leave it on her desk for the following day. Several days went by. She noticed the water from her personal bottle smelled nasty, but she couldn't figure out what the smell was. She threw away the bottle because of the horrible smell, but she could not figure out the source. According to court records, she says that she bought another water bottle and took it to the office. On September 22nd, a coworker noticed the water bottle was yellow. The woman opened the bottle and it smelled like urine. The coworker also stated that it smelled like urine. Now, the doctor that the woman worked for had it tested. It turned out positive for urine. Going off a hunch, the doctor suggested that it was the janitor Diaz. It turned out that another woman who did COVID testing in the building experienced the same situation. The water in her smart water bottle was yellow and smelled of urine, according to police records. Now, because there was no cameras in the office, uh, the woman purchased her own camera and hid it back on September 26th. The woman said that it caught Diaz in her office. He allegedly took her water bottle from the desk, opened it, unzipped his pants, removed his male parts, and raised her water bottle, causing the water inside uh, the bottle to touch his male parts. Diaz then put the cap back on and returned the bottle to the spot. He continued cleaning her desk after his little escapade. Now, the woman says that Diaz was caught on camera again on September 27th. He was arrested when he returned to the building. He is reportedly in the custody of ICE and obviously facing some charges. And boy, somebody needs some help. You know who also needs some help? This Ohio judge. Judge has gone wild. An Ohio judge was removed from the bench uh, yesterday for misconduct that included repeatedly lying. We usually try to prevent that from judges. Issuing illegitimate arrest warrants and wearing spandex shorts, tank tops, and sneakers to court. Judge Pinky Susan Carr was suspended indefinitely by the Ohio Supreme Court as she agreed to undergo evaluations of her mental and physical health. She had been accused of more than 100 instances of misconduct. Now, Judge Carr received the second most severe sanction that she can uh, have imposed against her as an attorney or a judge for these ethics violations. In a somewhat scathing 58-page filing case against her, Carr is accused of a variety of egregious behavior that amounts to presiding over her courtroom in a manner um, befitting a game show host rather than a judge of the Cleveland Municipal Court. She apparently often demeaned defendants and their attorneys in her courtroom, calling one attorney who questioned her ruling as an idiot. Uh, she conducted court from a bunch covered by an array of dolls, cups, and junk novelty items. She openly discussed the Stars television show Pea Valley, which is about a Mississippi strip club. And you know that my Pea Valley, my name going to be Passion. I got to go to that class, though. I can learn how to climb that pole, she said. And referring this to her uh, bailiff as Miss Pudding from Pea Valley. Can't make this up, ladies and gentlemen. She repeatedly waived fines and expunged court reprimands for defendants for arbitrary reasons, including the timing of their birthday. In court records, she wrote on a number of occasions that she had waived a fine because it was 
the defendant's birthday that month or the defendant's birthday was nine days before Valentine's Day. You got to love that solid legal rulings. She would state, I'm going to suspend your fines and costs because you know, Eric, and his birthday is May 26, the same day as my best friend's birthday, she said in one instance. She also put the uh, boundaries of her judicial power in the absence of a prosecutor. The prosecutor's not here. Let's see how much we can get away with, she would say, according to the ethics complaint. She once ordered someone to spend 15 days in jail because they rolled their eyes and made a sarcastic remark uh, in her courtroom. Well, I've seen that before, too. But, And, of course, her workplace wardrobe also uh, challenged the standards of her position. According to the complaint, she has at times uh, appeared on the bench wearing workout attire consistent of a tank top and long shorts or a t-shirt and above-the-knee spandex shorts and sneakers. Members of the Ohio Supreme Court seemed somewhat reluctant to accept her attorney's argument that Judge Carr was suffering from a handful of mood-destabilizing afflictions that caused her deteriorating professional behavior. When it comes to sleep apnea, she was unable to get the sleep necessary. When it comes to menopause, she was dealing with uh, issues she wasn't able to function 100%, said Carr's attorney. How does deep sleep apnea or menopause contribute to lying? Asked Ohio Supreme Court Justice Patrick Fisher. Apparently not so well. Needless to say, the attorney had trouble responding directly to that question. Sometimes you got to police yourself, ladies and gentlemen. And some people just do not have the judicial temperament or demeanor to be on the bench. Bye-bye, judge. See ya. And finally today on the docket, our dumb criminal of the day. A Florida man was arrested Friday after police said he attacked a woman with a machete while wearing nothing but a cowboy hat. I mean, who hasn't, right? Is this even a crime? <laughs> An arrest report from the Miami-Dade Police Department said Roberto Hercules attacked the woman Tuesday while she rode her bicycle. Police said he asked her for a crack pipe. I mean, come on, who hasn't? But when she said she didn't have it, he chased her with a machete. Now I see where it's getting a little more serious. Now, according to the report, the woman tried to jump off of her bike and run away, but Mr. Hercules struck her with a weapon multiple times in the head and left arm, and quite seriously, I might add. When, when they found Mr. Hercules sleeping in a tent, uh, he was still naked alongside two cowboy hats. He uh, was identified by the victim from a photo lineup while she um, was laying in a hospital bed. And according to police, the victim suffered a fractured skull, a brain bleed, a broken arm, and a large cut on her left hand. Needless to say, Mr. Hercules has been given something other than just a cowboy hat to wear because he's in jail and he's been charged with attempted murder, attempted armed robbery, and aggravated battery with a weapon. Mr. Hercules, dumb, dumb, dumb. Don't harm anybody, obviously. But if you got nothing to wear, maybe you at least one cowboy hat on the head, maybe one covering up the male genitalia. I'm surprised there weren't some charges there, too. Anyway, dumb criminal of the day. Congratulations, Mr. Hercules. On top of that arrest, now you, you've got this. You've made it. Congratulations. All right, thanks for watching. Hope you're having a great day, not just a good day. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.